Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It is graduation time. For some, this is happy. For some, this time is something simply to endure. But uh, no matter your emotion, we all must graduate. Graduation is good. Getting a diploma, getting an education works wonders for your resume. I'm not saying because you get a diploma, you get a degree that all of a sudden, boom, there's just doors and opportunities and blessings and and all of these wonderful things just going to pour out, you know, all over the place for you. But it is definitely a step in the right direction. So congratulations to all of you that chose one line and stuck with it. It is very difficult for me to say this, but I graduated high school 20 years ago. Mm. 20 years ago. I, for high school, I went to a Christian school. Before that, I was in public school. But uh, I was glad I made the transition from public school to a private Christian school. It was a Baptist Christian school. And let me tell you, Baptists really have a gift for education. They they really do. It's 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 their talent. Although a lot of their schools just did not make it. I just think as a whole, traditional Christian education and even some pockets of Bible college just really did not produce a good enough product uh, to last into the new millennium. As a matter of fact, my old Christian school, it, it shut down. And I kind of had the feeling that it would. I had the feeling that it would. And, and the Bible college I went to, Gateway College of Evangelism, really didn't shut down, but its uh, assets were acquiesced by Urshan College. So, yeah, uh, I'm afraid to go to a school now. I'm, I'm afraid if I go there, it'll shut down. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not that superstitious. But yeah, 20 years ago, I walked out of high school. And let me tell you, I was like any typical 18-year-old guy. I I really didn't have clear direction on what to do. I knew that I was called to preach. I knew that from the time I was 11 years old. The Lord spoke to me and called me to preach his word. But I really didn't know how that was going to unfold. And nobody ever does. It's just one step at a time. God gives you a small glimpse of the future, and then you have to walk by faith. That's why God doesn't reveal his complete plan. If he did, there would be no faith. God wants your faith. Your your faith is your main uh, connection between us here and now to the, the infinite, the divine. It's your access to the Lord Jesus Christ. He responds to faith. But I'll never forget, it was that last semester my senior year and Jeremy Hoffey and Gateway College Chorale came to our church in Kansas City and they were ministering and they sang that old song I know that I can make it I know that I can stand no matter what may come my way my life is in your hands and you know that's that's a touching song but let's be honest it's not a real like woo let's all worship it doesn't really capture your heart to worship it's more Uh, inward. It's more personal. It's more focused. It's more uh, of a building up yourself type song. And so I got up on my feet. I think I was the only one standing in the church on that one. And I just started praising the Lord. 
And when it came to that part in that course, my life is in your hands, no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. The Lord spoke to me clearly and said, go to Bible college, this Bible college gateway for four years. And I did. And I wanted so bad to be a drummer. I, I was the church drummer. And I worked so hard that entire summer, you know, to make chorale, to make ensemble and be one of the main drummers. You know, Gateway had phenomenal drummers and I was I knew I was up against a lot of competition. That's I didn't really sing, I didn't really play another instrument. I kinda I knew sort of how to fumble around on the bass. I knew where the where uh, the notes C and F were. That was about it. But that, that entire summer I worked on my drums after high school knowing that I would go to Gateway and in that entire summer I worked hard I was a waiter in a restaurant I worked at a, a Cajun restaurant it may or may not rhyme with Hopelands and there I learned to love the great tastes of the Cajuns and I could totally go for some etouffee right now oh that stuff is yummy mm. and a little bread pudding my Lord, I have talked myself into an appetite, but we got to keep podcasting. Anyway, you're here to listen and I'm here to talk. This is Justin C. Gleason bringing you the message of God, Bible, and church in the year of our Lord, 2021. Please subscribe, become a loyal listener, give a great review and rating, and share this episode with your friends. Reference the episode notes for my contact and social media information. Podcasting is the future. You know, what I'm trying to say to you is after high school, I knew where to go and I kind of knew a little bit about my my future. I, I really didn't know. I didn't have clear direction. All I knew was work on what I knew to work on. Have a goal. Have something in mind. And I just worked hard at drums. I uh, would practice about three to four hours a week. And when I got to Gateway, I tried out for drums along with like 45 other guys and I'll, I'll never forget, Jeremy Hoffie said, why don't you uh, hop on the bass? I said, I'm not trying out for bass. He goes, I want you to try out. Please, try out for bass. I said, okay. So <laughs> I fumbled around on it. Didn't I, I didn't have a clue. Well, later that afternoon, Brother Hoffie called me and he said, would you please come down to my office? And I did. And he said, Justin Gleason, I have all the drummers I need. I have all the piano players I need. I have all the organ players, guitar players, this player, that player. And I have all the soprano altos and tenors. He said, but I am lacking a bass player. I have no bass player, and I'd like you to be it. And I, <laughs> I'm like, this is a joke, right? And he said, no, I'm being dead serious. You've got feel. You've got rhythm. And I'm going to teach you how to play by ear. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> you know, and like my whole summer flashed before my eyes. And it's like I spent all that time working on drums and now the only opportunity for me really to excel in the fantastic music ministry of the school is an instrument that I really don't even know. 
And I just felt a little whisper from God say, do it. You need to do it. And you know what I did? And he taught me the number system. If you're a musician, you know what that is. And in about four or five days, I learned about 15 songs. And I started playing, and I was the the only bass player my freshman year. Other bass players came years after that. I'm telling you that so that you understand. You just never know what God will do. You never know what gifts you have inside of you until after graduation. You have no idea what potential you have in you. And teachers have a way of seeing your potential inside. They have a way of seeing the hidden talent and pulling that out. And that's really what college will do for you, whether it's a Bible college, Christian college, a secular college, any of that, even online school, all of that, even really even self-education. A lot of those books you read from those professors, if you're, if you're into that, it'll help you discover a lot of things about yourself. And uh, so I just wish all of you, I know a lot of, a lot of you that are listening to this, you're, you're, in, you're coming out of your junior year, you're coming out of your senior year of high school, about to go into college, or you're, you're, in your, you're coming out of your junior, coming out of your senior year of college, and you're wondering what's next. You might get opportunities that you never knew you had. And that's okay. Sometimes, you know, what you thought you would be in your mind is not really what you were in your heart. That's why it's important to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, everything. And when you do that, you'll discover the will of God, and he will bring unity to what you have in your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength, all of that. So just trust God, and whatever opportunity comes, try it out. Go for it. Because very rarely do we make opportunities for ourselves in ministry. Your opportunities, the best ones, come through the invite of somebody else. And that's why Jesus said, follow me. That's why he taught parables like when you go into a wedding feast, don't sit in the biggest seat. Don't sit in the highest seat. Don't sit up in the front, but sit in the back and wait for somebody greater than you to come and escort you to the front. And uh, that's how you do it. That is how you do it. I want to talk about something else around graduation. It seems like graduation has its way of pulling the worst out of people. It happened in for me in junior high, high school, and college. Kids that were great all year round, but then graduation comes and they do something incredibly stupid. <laughs> something to get them uh, expelled. Something to... Uh, uh, ruin their record you know they 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 go out they burn a few things down and they get uh, caught by the police and they've got <laughs> a count of arson on their record uh, some people get hooked on drugs they just like oh, i'll just try it once you know hey why not celebrate you know all these years of school and studying i'll just try a little bit of this and boom they're hooked on drugs uh some people uh, end up losing their virginity had no intentions of that they've been clean they've dedicated their their lives their bodies their souls to god trying to remain pure for their future husband their future wife and just caught up in the moment it just happens you know graduation has its way of causing people to lose their inhibitions 
This is the time of year when you see young people backslide the most. It's not at the beginning of the year. It's not January. It's not in the middle of summer. It's not in the fall. It's not around the holidays. It's usually around graduation. And I was a youth pastor for a long time. I've now been an associate pastor a long time. And I've seen, you know, and I've observed this as even as a kid, it was an observation I saw, you know, when I was seven years old looking at the youth groups, it's like they get that high school diploma and all of a sudden, bam, it's time, it's time to, you know, I no longer need God, you know, all I want is this world. I'll never forget, I had one youth group girl, sweet girl, kind girl, uh, raised by a, a single mom, and the family did their best, and she was very talented, great singer, great youth group girl, but as soon as she graduated, you know, her mom paid for her to go to youth camp, and, you know, we had the whole youth group piled up in the buses, and I'm like, where's this girl? I'm calling out for her name. She's nowhere to be found. And one of her friends come up to me and showed me her phone and she showed me the text and the text read, I'm not ever coming back to church. And I looked at her and I said, is she being serious? And she goes, yeah, she's serious. She's not coming back to church. And I'm like, well, we're running out of time. I, I can't deal with this. So we went to camp and when I got back, I followed up on the situation. And sure enough, this youth group girl who I thought was sold out to the Lord had me fooled. She was done not coming back and you know i she wouldn't return my phone call so i just sent a long text and just told her you know how how much she meant to our youth group and we sh certainly will miss her and she's welcome back you know what do you say you know when somebody says you're done <laughs> you know i wanted to text back hey you're going to hell repent <laughs> but you know you, you just you just can't do that y yes you can you know what you can do that what happened to preachers, saints, making it very plain? And I think we are compassioned out with nice, gentle language. Might as well tell somebody the truth, you know. But anyway, about three weeks later, I get a phone call from her mom. And she says, my daughter is in the emergency room. Will you please pray for her? So my wife and I got in the car. I mean, it's like midnight. And we drive to the emergency room and I walk in and it's the emergency room is full of very sick people. A lot of elderly people doubled over in pain. And we finally get back there to where she was and she had smoked some pot that was laced with heavy stuff. And I guess that's what's going on nowadays. Pot is no longer just pot. They're lacing it with heavy stuff. And she got sick, had a horrible reaction to it and almost died. And as I was praying for her, I was, oh, I was so close to just yelling at her saying, what are you thinking? So the Holy Ghost wasn't good enough for you. Church wasn't good enough for you. Your youth group wasn't good enough for you. And now it's no longer the power of God, but the, the uh, puff of smoke from a joint, some pot, you know, and, and being around like eight other guys and waking up the, the next morning with your skirt up over your head. Is this, is this the type of lady you want to be? leaving the godly example of all the uh, women that we had on our youth staff, leaving the godly example of our of the sweet ladies, the matriarchs in our church, and now you're you're following in a, you know uh, Miley Cyrus. Is that really who you want to be? Is this what you want to do? And not to mention you've got elderly people out there doubled over in pain. And here you are, an 18 year old in good shape and you're taking up a bed from them because you decided to get high. You decided to get high. 
Well, I did tell her how I felt. I certainly did. I'm sure she understood half of it. And I left. And I haven't seen her since. It was kind of weird, though. There was a funeral at our church a few years ago. And I'm out there at the front greeting people as they come in. And this uh, lesbian couple comes walking by. And I was like, oh, my God. It was the girl's mother completely butched out. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, you know, I was always suspicious about you. And <laughs> in my mind, I started chuckling. I'm like, you know, this this uh, lesbian look, actually, it works for you. <laughs> it was, she, she was she was doing it right, you know, and I'm being sarcastic and I'm not trying to be funny, but it was just funny right then and there. But my point is. When you graduate, a lot of people, special people, spiritual people, at least you thought they were, they're going to change. That's right. The people you thought were so spiritual in your youth group at graduation, oh, they'll really be tested and they will really have the opportunity to show and to demonstrate just how faithful they really are. That's right. Graduation's the test. Can you walk with God now with this new freedom? Now that you got that diploma, now that you got that accomplishment, can you walk with the Lord with that? Can you go for it with that? And I mean, it happens every graduation, whether high school, Bible college, this or that, whatever. Somebody who you never thought would, they walk out. And it's just sad. And they walk out for the dumbest reasons. Sometimes they get offended. Sometimes they just get deceived by this world. Sometimes, you know, it's like it said, the Bible says in 1 John, they went out from us because they were never of us. For have they, had they have been of us, they would have never left us. I mean, this happened in, in Bible college for me. Two girls uh, decided they wanted to be gay. And I mean, they were involved in corral and it just broke all our hearts. You know, you just, it, graduation brings out the carnal nature of people. But for those of us that have a prophetic destiny on our lives, for those of us that are seeking the will of God, this is no time to be stupid. This is no time to be foolish. This is no time to lose your inhibitions. Oh no, it's time to gain more of a sense of self-respect and responsibility for your ultimate purpose in fulfilling your ministry and your call in your life. I really believe a lot of graduates walk across that stage, get that diploma, sit down, turn the tassel, throw the hat, go out and celebrate with a family, get home and lay in bed, and all, all of a sudden they think to themselves, oh my God, what am I going to do? And a lot of graduates have no direction in their life, probably because the whole time they were in school, they never even cared about God. They never even truly cared about God. What do you have next for me? You know, you need to be seeking the will of God every day for your life and doing things to help fulfill the will of God in your life, growing yourself, training yourself practicing the small things. You know, before I ever preached, I played drums. Before I ever preached, I learned to play bass. 
And then it went from those things to just short little testimonies, you know, and then it started going to a really powerful altar call ministry. I learned to work the altars before I ever learned to preach. And that's really where a lot of the gifts of the spirit and prophetic ministry stuff developed. It was in the altar call. And then the preaching, the teaching, the podcasting, guest speaking, all of those things uh, all came to pass. Yeah, you just start small and you just remain faithful in a few things. And then before you know it, bam, you're in the middle of it all and you are doing exactly what the Lord spoke to you years ago. So don't lose focus in this graduation season. Let it motivate you. Let it move you to pray, to fast, to get a hold of God, to speak with your parents, to speak with your pastor about the future. As I'm going to tell you right now, graduation, Satan is there. He is seeking whom he may devour, especially those who the Lord has marked and chosen for his purpose. Just as Satan wanted to sift Peter as wheat, so the Lord, so does Satan want to do now for God's people. You know, you look at the prodigal son, it was like a graduation for him. It's time to get the inheritance and go and just, bam, he's gone. Spends all the money on riotous living. Don't waste your education. Don't waste your investment. Don't get pregnant out of wedlock. Don't get hooked on drugs. Don't get hooked on porn. Don't all of a sudden start hanging out with the wrong crowd. So I'm going to tell you, after graduation, you will go through a season of loneliness. Yes, you will. All of a sudden, you're going to get hit with a big dose of reality. What it really means to grow up and become an adult. And you're going to quickly realize what I've been saying all along. Happiness is for kids. This real world that we live in, it is hard. It requires a lot of responsibility. Then don't do it alone. Talk to God. Figure out what he wants. Figure out where he's leading you to. And get in agreement with it. Getting your ministerial license. Yes, it is that time of year. Some districts, it's already happened and done for 2021. But for a lot of districts, it's happening right now. I know here in Missouri, it's this week. (laughs) They license people in Missouri during ladies' conference. I've always thought that was... (laughs) (laughs) interesting but hey it's worked this long why change it so we wish all of you uh blessings in getting your minister's license so uh let's talk about it really it's it's a pastor thing i I think it's a pastor thing a presbyter thing and and uh yes a god thing but uh really the people that really do well with getting their license it's never their own idea it's never their own idea. It's something that their pastor 
kind of pushes them towards usually. And uh, of course, you know, you want to already be feeling it, but it's, you know, your pastor really is the one that should be uh, endorsing uh, that, you know, the, it, that's just kind of how it is. It comes through it invitation. That's really how I see it. And that's what happened to me. Uh, my pastor, uh, other ministers that I really looked up to in Missouri knew that I was going to be graduating soon from Bible college. And, and this was in 2005 and they recommended you should become licensed with the Missouri district, Missouri, Missouri district of the United Pentecostal church. And I prayed about it and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Let me tell you why you should be getting your license. Getting your license with the UPC really is a vetting process. It's a way for you to have a credential that says you are in good standing with the greatest oneness Pentecostal organization in the world. You have the favor of those elders upon your life. That's why you should be getting it. That's why you should be getting it. You know, the UPC has a lot of high standards. And you know what? They hold you to them. They inspect what they ec- expect. Uh, you better believe it. And I have no problem, you know, with my presbyter- presbyters, my bishops, you know, calling me and checking up on me, making sure I'm in line, you know. And that's what they need to do. And a lot of people, you know, uh, smirk at that. But you know what? Mankind is carnal. And it's easy for a preacher to become carnal in his ways, become stuck in his own ways. But you know what? We need uniformity. We need to uh, be all on the same page. We need to have the same uh, core values when it comes to ministry. And that's what the UPC does, becoming licensed with this organization. So not only is it a good vetting process to have a good witness and testimony to people that you're talking to, uh, places that you go, being a part of the uh, brotherhood and the sisterhood, and having the credentials in the fellowship, greatest oneness organization, being in good standing and having the favorite. All of those things are wonderful. And you, and believe me, when you get that, you will feel it. I mean, when Bishop Steve Williford clamped his hands down on top of my head and prayed the blessing upon me, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it felt like a like a gallon of oil was dumped all over me. Uh, Vernon McGarvey, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He prayed over me. Oh, it was, I, I can't even say, I'm not ready to tell the world things that he spoke over me. The spirit of prophecy came upon him. I mean, other ministers that spoke, you know, things into my ministry was just, it was just so special. It's, it's a holy moment. It's not just a card. It is the blessing laying their hands upon you, the, the favor of the, of the greatest organization you know, what other organization is God uh, doing as great a things as he is in the UPC? None. UPC is the greatest. I thank God for other ones, but the UPC, it is the greatest. And it's it's just so special to have that. And thank God for everybody that gets that. Not everybody does. Not everybody's meant for it, but I was. And I thank God for that. And I'm just, I just feel the Holy Ghost just here doing this podcast talking about it. But then also, it gives you a place and a voice 
in this organization and having a place and a voice is awesome. You know, that you you know, everybody wants to have something to do with something important and being able to uh, cast your vote for that, being able to weigh in on issues, you know, is a good thing. It's fun and it's, it's just a nice thing to have. Okay. Let's talk more and more about the license. Really, some people kind of get it backwards. They think I'm going to go get that license and then God is going to call me to preach. You know, and then, you know, I'll start getting used. I'll start getting I'll start getting opportunities to help out. Uh, wrong. You it's out of that's out of order. That's not how you do it. The better order how I did it. Other guys have done it the way that I see the best way that works. The way really your district will want it to work is you are, first of all, called to preach. Now, I get it. Some people are called. Some people just go. You know, there are preachers out there that really have no pinpoint place uh, that say that they really can't tell you, I this is the place and where God called me. There's a few of them out there. But for the most part, most of us, we can say, we can tell you the church service. We can tell you who preached. We can tell you what songs. We can tell you what tie we were wearing. We can tell you where we went to dinner afterwards. We can tell you all the details about it. You know, I remember it very well. I remember very, very well. I was called to preach in the summer of 1994 at a Wisconsin youth camp. I mean, I could show you the spot in that old tabernacle. Ken Gurley was preaching. I mean, it was... I get I like get a loss for words when I talk about it. It was so special to me. I can tell you that moment. And I can tell you what I was wearing, tell you the what the who the people were around me. I can describe their features, how they looked, you know, back then in the 90s. You know, I have that moment. So you need to have something like that, a moment where... You can say, God spoke to me and said, I've got ministry in store for you. Okay. Then what comes after that is ministry in little things. For me, it began with playing the drums. It sure did. It began with me, you know, I'm the pastor's son. I was one of the first ones to show up, one of the last ones to leave. You know, it began with me helping my dad with things. Sometimes I, I would carry the briefcase to the car. Okay. Uh, sometimes if dad needed to tell the sound man something, he'd motion for me to come walking up. He'd whisper something in my ear, tell, he'll tell the sound man, I need this. And I'd, I'd run back there and do it. You know, I just, I, I would give, I would give messages for him. I would do little things like that for him. I would show up on work day, you know, and do little odds and end jobs, you know, that, a that an 11 and 12 year old could do and, and just, you know, served and, and did very well. You know, that was always fun. You know, older men in the church that knew about drywall and construction being their quote unquote gopher. You know, that was a way for really for me to gain favor in the eyes of the brethren at the church, you know, and I'm not a handy guy. I'm not a construction guy, but just being around there, just being available, you know, stuff just gets handed to you. You know, then, of course, all the things that I told you about going to Bible college. So just anytime there was an opportunity, I said, yes, I never said, uh, I'm too good for that. Uh, I don't want to do I'm supposed to be, you know, a conference preacher. I'm called to preach. Let me tell you, so if you're called to preach, get ready to wait. Very rarely does it all of a sudden happen. Boom, like that. Unless you're like 47 years old, God calls you to preach. You know, you don't really have time, you know, to wait. But most of us were called to preach when we're kids. And it doesn't really come to pass. It's not fulfilled till you get older. So you learn to minister in small 
things. Little things here and there. You know, if you're going to preach, you're going to be on platforms. So it's time to learn to sing. Get in the choir. That's how you start out on the platform. Ask your pastor. Say, Pastor, I don't I don't want you to move those wedges, those speakers anymore before you preach. I'm going to get up there and move them. Make sure they're pointed right at you. I'm going to bring you your cup of water. I'm going to make sure the batteries are fresh in your microphone. I'm going to do that for you. Will you please let me do that for you? Of course, your pastor will say yes. You know, maybe offer to, i tell you another job that pastors do a lot is lock up the church. You know, and pastors know the church better than anybody. Why not go up to your pastor and say, Pastor, let me lock up. Why don't you talk and fellowship and visit with people and let me lock up. Let me get to know this building. Let me lock it up for you. You have no idea how happy that will make your pastor. Learn to shut off the air. Learn to make sure, you know, the stove isn't left on from the church mother's uh, cooking up fried chicken, you know, after church, all that. Um, And make sure all the, like, Sunday school, all those little vanilla wafers, all those little cookies are put away so mice don't get into them. And, you know, you have a mice infestation at the church. All these little valuable things, you know what's going to happen? Your pastor is going to notice you and you're going to find favor in his eyes. You're going to be the type of person he says, I want you to uh, open up with a testimony tonight. I want you to pursue your license. I want to make you one of my lead Bible class teachers in this church. You know, that's really where you know opportunities come when you start getting invited to teach Sunday school. Let me tell you, you want to learn to preach, learn to preach to kids. You want to really, really learn to preach, learn to preach to the teenagers. Oof. That's how I learned to preach. Now, I went to Bible college classes. I studied uh, pastoral practicum, preaching practicum, expository preaching, topical preaching, all of those wonderful things that helped uh, create my style. But really where I learned, where the experience really came was learning to preach to junior high, high school, and hyphen students. And I, I learned how to do it. If you can preach to them, you can preach to anybody. So minister in small things. And if you're called, if you're able to do a few small ministerial things around the church, you should pursue license. You should pursue license if your pastor's cool with it. He may not be cool with it. And, and then that's okay. You know what? Your pastor knows things that probably you don't. All right, you just gotta you gotta trust them, you know. But just be happy with have, having a call of God on your life and getting to do this and that and the other. You know, then maybe the license will come. Okay, so let's say you're getting your license. All right, let me just be upfront with you. Don't assume that you getting a license is all of a sudden uh, like this a legalization for ministry. Okay, a license is not like a driver's license or a passport. You, know, you can pray people through to the Holy Ghost without that license. Let, let me just tell you that, okay? Remember, it's it's about the vetting process. It's about showing you're in good standing. It's about gaining the favor of the elders of the organization. To have that is a major blessing, so you will have a, a added anointing on your life than you wouldn't have not have had before had you not had your license. But just don't don't think that it legalizes you. It's like all of a sudden, I am legal now. It's... You know, it is set in stone, you know. I am, it's not that way. It's not a legalization. You know, the only, can I tell you this? My my license, you know, I, I do talk about it, but the only times I've ever really showed that card is some hospitals that I go to. I, I want to park as close as I can to the front. I get out that UPCI card and I put it on my dash so if security comes around and sees somebody parked in clergy 
they see, you know, the clergy sign and the UPC on that, they're going to leave me alone. That's really about all I ever use it for. You know, they don't check cards, you know, in a district conference or section conference or general conference or any of that. They just, a lot of people already know who I am, but even if they don't know who you are, they don't check that it's all an honor system, but it's just nice to have that card. But I've never used that card to get my foot in the door with anything legal. I've never, you know, and I've gone to like, uh, you know, a federal buildings, you know, to be with people during their times of trouble. And I've never had to use that card. I had to use my driver's license. You know, they just look you up and down. You say you're a preacher. They're like, all right, come on in. You know, it's not a legal deal. It's not all of a sudden, boom, you know, the doors are going to open wide and everywhere you go, people are going to fall out. You know, you're just, you know, you don't, it's not that way. It's, it's the favor and the anointing of the elders on your life. Okay, so also that segues into this next point. Don't assume that getting your license is all of a sudden gonna just open up the doors for all this opportunity. You know, you got your license now, so hey, you're gonna be preaching the next youth rally. No, that's not how it works. You know, you get your license, so all of a sudden, you know, bam, every missionary all over the world, you know, is gonna be calling you to come preach crusades. and. It, in front of thousands and thousands and thousands are going to get the Holy Ghost and you're just going to get to be used and you're going to, everybody's going to see your videos and you're going to get all these friend requests. It's, it does not work that way. Uh, don't be shocked if after you get your license, all of a sudden you're not doing as much as you once were. Sometimes that happens, you know. God will test you. He'll test your attitude. He really does. All right, and then uh, two major things that I see uh, young preachers, men and women, men and women who get their license, they all of a sudden start calling themselves reverend. Oh my God. They change their username with an REV in front of it. Their email signature all of a sudden has an REV in front of it. They change their uh, greetings on their voicemail. Hi, uh, this is Reverend Bob Schmendrick, you know, licensed with the UPC. Leave me a message. <laughs> don't call yourself reverend you do you want opportunity you want to be taken seriously these days don't call yourself reverend the only guys who can call themselves reverend are the guys that i would say that are at least 40 years old in the ministry because that's the term they used back then nowadays i i don't i don't really like that term reverend and people sometimes call they like to put it on i guess flyers out there you're going to preach somewhere they like to put reverend I, maybe because they don't know what to call your brother doesn't seem good enough. They don't know if you're a pastor, associate pastor, youth pastor. What? They just call you reverend. I don't know. I just don't like the way that sounds. It, it doesn't sound Pentecostal to me. It doesn't sound spirit-filled to me. It sounds something else. So don't call yourself reverend. You shouldn't be calling yourself anything, really. When you get, when you introduce yourself, first and last name, that's all you got to say. Let people call you the title. Let them use the term brother or reverend. You know, whatever. Stop calling yourself Reverend. Don't. If you get a new Bible, don't get imprinted REV on that. You would. You just. You look like a dunce. Don't do it. You are. When you do that, you're taking yourself too seriously. And people, people who take themselves too seriously, nobody on the outside takes them seriously. You know, be cool with a first name basis. You've got to earn titles. You've got to earn those. Um. I guess. Um terms of respect like pastor brother you've got to earn those things you got to earn those things and believe me if you if you're 
really got a humble spirit, God will give you opportunity to gain favor in the eyes of uh, the people. So, okay, yes, you probably, okay, you get your license, you're a preacher, you're going to get a little opportunity here and there. That's good. When you get to the pulpit, chances are you're being asked to do a three to five minute fiery five or something like that. When you get up there, your your job is to start start quick and finish quick. You don't need a long introduction or all these accolades. That leave that for the big dog at the end. No, don't don't make a big like. I want to thank this and that, and I just uh, you know I'm so glad to be here tonight, and I whew, I just feel the whole. You know, by the time it's three minutes and you haven't even said a thing, it's just been nothing but just. Uh, Nothing but just ridiculous words, you know, that's not helped anybody. You, so don't act all old preacher-ish. Just get up there, read one, two, at the most three verses of Scripture. You don't even need a title. Just start preaching. Just start saying some good stuff. Just edify. You know, nobody there is probably going to take you really that seriously. Nobody takes the, the 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 intro, the opening message that seriously. You know, already, so you just want to be good. If you're trying to be impressive, you want to impress anybody. Uh, get up, get up there to give glory to God. Okay, but the main thing I, I want to tell you is, don't get up there and say I feel honored to be here. I feel so honored to be here. I know you feel like that's what you're supposed to say, but let me tell you, that don't sound humble to me. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I feel honored to be here. Do you really think you were brought up there to be honored? Do you really think the pastor or your section youth director asked you to give a testimony to honor you? No, he didn't. So don't say, I feel honored. And, okay, if you got to say something, say, I feel privileged. But even anymore now, that's because <laughs> that's kind of a very taboo word, you know, with the present distress. Uh, don't say, I feel privileged. You're, you're going to get some eyebrows raised. All you got to do is say, it is good to be here. I love the house of the Lord, and I just love his word, and tonight I want to uh, give you all a word about, you know, being obedient to the word of the Lord, being obedient, uh, you know, and then go off on that, you know, and then just have everybody stand, raise their hands, receive the word, then sit down and shut up, you know, do, do what they ask you to do, no more, no less. You start to do that, you're going to get more opportunities. Because let me tell you what, if they say go 10 minutes and you go 15, you ain't going to preach again. You won't. You've got to learn to be in submission. And what better way to be in submission with just your time? So no reverence, no accolades. Don't say you feel honored. Don't thank everybody in the room. Don't name drop. Don't, you know, don't do it. Just get up there and just preach a good word. Please the Lord. So that's how you do it. Uh, don't be afraid when you get your license, when you go in there. Don't be intimidated. Um, answer their questions, yes or no. Answer them very directly. Don't try to be ultra, ultra. you know, like, I mean, be humble, but have a bold humility about you. Don't try to make yourself look less. Don't look, try to make yourself look more. Just be who you are and answer their questions directly. And, you know, the reason you're getting your license is you have a call of God on your life. You've already had the opportunity to do a little bit of ministry here and there, and you want the favor of the the elders on your life, and you want to join the greatest organization in the world. You do those things, uh, they're going to stand up, shake your hand, and say, uh, welcome to the UPCI. That's all. I'm telling you, I've observed, I've been through this, I'm giving you wonderful 
advice. Probably advice they're not even going to teach you in Bible college. Maybe they are now. They they didn't teach us how to get our license. You know, I <laughs> I walked into it completely green. But and I remember like preterism was a big thing back in 2005. You know, there was a few guys, you know, barking real loud about it. And uh, Brother Haney was, you know, against it. Everybody was against it. I don't, I don't even know if any really any preterists really exist in the UBC. Probably a few here and there. But I stayed up all night studying, to make sure I had the script, <laughs> that scripture, scriptures in my mind, ready to go to refute that preterism. And you know what? I walked in. They didn't even ask me a thing about preterism. They just asked me about the call of God on my life, and I told it to them the stories I've been telling you, and they liked it. I told him, you know, what I've been doing in Bible college, what what I've been uh, thinking about, you know, uh, talked about altar call ministry, you know, uh, soul winning. We call it disciple making now, but back then we call it soul winning. Talked about that, this and that, the supernatural and, you know, all these they and, and plus, you know, they I, I was faithful to youth camps and stuff. Uh, they knew who I was. I just kept a good reputation for myself all during my teen years and Bible college years, and that really helped too. So when I was done and they said, yes, you get your license, I, I said, I said, wow, I thought you guys would be asking me a lot of theological questions, you know. And one of the presbyters interviewing me, he said, which way did the tabernacle face, son? And I like blanked out. And I wanted to say east. But for whatever reason, I got confused and I said north. And I tell you why, because in Leviticus, it says, uh, do the, the priest were to sacrifice the animal on the north side of the altar. And I just been reading that and studying that. And I, I got my thoughts confused and I said north and he laughed. He said, ha, east. And I was like, oh, great. You know, but it didn't affect my license. But you know, what was crazy is that guy got busted not too long after that for a major indiscretion. And, you know, he he wasn't trying to be mean, but he was trying to, in that moment, you know, try to make me feel stupid. And can I tell you this? You'll, you'll run into that when you get your license. You'll run into preachers that, and it's usually not your pastor, it's usually other preachers that know you. They try to, I don't know, they just take it upon themselves to try to make you feel humble or something. I, I don't know why... What that is, you know, I, I'll give you an example. Not too long ago, I was, I was preaching a section youth rally and I pull up in my car and uh, I, I, I park my car and I park in the very back. I don't see a sign for any uh, reserved parking for the guest speaker. So I park in the very back. It was one of those parking lots that was half gravel, half grass. So I, I park in, in the grass. It, it looked like a big uh, mound of brush, probably a bunch of poison sumac. So I get out of the car, I start walking in. Well, the pastor comes walking out, introduces himself. He said, he said, bro, brother, you can park up front here if you want. And I look down where he's pointing and it looks like a big sidewalk. And I'm like, that is a parking space? He goes, yeah. Yeah, it sure is. If you want. I said, yeah, let's do it. I want to. And so I, I pull on up. I get out of my car and he looks at my car. And okay, I, I drive a car that is paid off. I drive a car, uh, the make of it begins with a T and ends with an A. And the model of it begins with a C and ends with an A. All right? It's a car I bought my wife when we first got married. It's 10 years old. It's almost got 250,000 miles on it. It's paid for, you know? And it gets me from point A to point B. You, know, you better believe when the time's right, I'm going to get me something nice. But you know what? It's a nice-looking little car. You know, I bought my wife a big, nice SUV for her and the kids, you know? And I took her car. 
and I'm happy with it. And this pastor who I just met, you know, who has no signage, you know, nowhere to go. I park in the back and he says, well, why don't you come on up here, you know? And when I pull up, I get out and he makes fun of my car. He said something, but he's essentially saying your car is so small. And you know what? I just looked at him and I really did give him an evil eye. And it almost came out of my mouth. I almost wanted to say, you know what? This is a small car, but it's bigger than you. More people know about this car than even know who you are. I've never heard your name. You don't preach no youth rallies. You don't preach no section rallies. Nobody knows who you are. You're a small man. That's why this church is small. You know, all those things like, oh, flashed before right into my mind. But I bit my tongue. I gave him the evil eye. Then I kind of smiled. And I said, all right, let's go have a move of God. You know, I, I don't know why preachers are that way sometimes with each other. You know, I get it. I On this show, I'm sar- sarcastic and bombastic. But you know what? When it comes face to face, I would never mock anybody's car. You know, and I, and I drove a long ways to be there and mocks my car. I mm. Now that I think about it, I probably should have said all those things. Actually, no, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have, but uh, maybe when we get to heaven, he'll be... <laughs> Maybe he'll be driving a rusted out old beater and I'll be driving a Cadillac. Yeah. God has his way of rewarding you for your works here on this earth. Anyway, but, you know, don't be surprised if a few preachers don't take you seriously after you get your license. Don't let it bother you. Don't let it bother you. They didn't call you to preach. God did. You you keep on being you and watch God open the doors for you. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Let's talk about the beginnings of ministry, uh, a better title, the brutal beginnings of ministry. So after I graduated Bible college, um, we went and got the minister's license, and then I came home, and my first job opportunity in the church was to be the youth pastor. Well, that was a youth congress year in 2005, and uh, we loaded up our bus. Our church bus was a... I mean, it was a it was a junky bus, but bless God, we picked up all kinds of people who apparently needed rides, and we brought them to church. Well, that bus, the way it was, it was one of those uh, twenty five passenger buses, you know, with a big uh, trunk in the back, put all the luggage in, you know, stack it all up, and then we had two vans following behind me. So here I am, I'm twenty two years old, I'm the youth pastor, <laughs> completely green, never done this before, and. Uh, while we're driving there, the bus breaks down. Yeah, the bus breaks down, and we are just heavily delayed. And we come coasting in there. Matter of fact, we got to our hotel so late that I just told everybody, you know what, everybody, take a shower, wash up. Uh, we're just going to have prayer on our own in our hotel room, and then we're going to go get something to eat. And then tomorrow, we'll enjoy the rest of the Congress. You know what, everybody was relieved. It was actually a great leadership decision on my part. Yeah, so we have the bus breakdown, and that's so stressful. You know, you got all these ki- these youth group kids, and you're, you know, it's precious cargo. And Lord, you're just 
scared for people's safety. You know, it's just a, a disaster, just a a big scary mess. Well, I had one kid in the youth group who was behaving strangely. I noticed he would not eat. He was not eating the entire time. And uh, it's uh, the last day on Friday. And one of the youth kids comes up to me in the restaurant. He grabs my arm and shakes it. He goes, you got to come here. You got to come. Such and such is passed out. And I get, I walk over to the table and he's laid out on the floor, passed out. <laughs> and we ended up calling an ambulance. I mean, it was a bad deal. He hadn't, he hadn't eaten anything in like a week and a half. And so I'm sitting there in the emergency room with him wondering, good Lord, what's going to go wrong next? And uh, I then later found out he was not eating because he felt like he was overweight and he was trying to lose weight to impress another girl in the youth group. And uh, I went up and talked to her and wanted to know if there was anything weird or awkward going on. She pulls out this piece of paper and I unfold it. It's got a drawing of um, some Star Wars stuff on it. And he starts going on and on about how he loves her like Han Solo loved Leia. (laughs) All this stuff. And there was a little mix of Harry Potter in there. I mean, he's like equating, you know, uh, romance, romance, the way he feels about her in with romantic language that's like comparable to Star Wars and Harry Potter and stuff. And I just I kept a straight face, you know, but. I wanted to laugh so hard, but it was weirding. It was really weirding her out. She kind of kept it quiet, but it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was just a disaster. You know, here it's Youth Congress. And, I, and my bus is breaking down and my kids are passing out. And the kids that are passing out are passing weird love notes. And, and I'm thinking, they didn't teach me this in Bible college. They didn't talk, about, uh, talk to me about this when I got my license. You know, I, uh, you know, in those first two months, you know, our youth group at that time was a very entertainment driven youth group. It was like Friday nights, the youth pastor is supposed to take the youth group skating. Friday nights, the youth pastor is supposed to take the youth group bowling. You're supposed to have fun. Well, I didn't want to have fun. I wasn't called to have fun. I'm a, I was a preacher. And I just saw a very, very, not a sinful youth group, but a very carnal youth group. And I said, you know what? We're going to start having youth services. And I mean, you would have thought I would have like, you know, passed out a bunch of beer to the youth group the way those parents reacted. Some of them were like, how dare you take away the fun from my kids? How dare you preach to my kids? How dare you get my kids reading my Bible? You know, I got some major blowback because I was shifting the culture. You know what I did? And come to find out the youth group loved church more than they loved the fun. So, you know, you're going to come up against those things in the beginnings of your ministry. Stuff will break down. Kids will pass out. Kids will pass notes. And uh, parents may uh, buck on you. But, you know, you just keep on going. You keep on going. You know, a lot of them, a few years, they will be nowhere to be seen. And their kids will backslide. And you'll have the loyal with you. The true anointed called saints of the living God. Stick with it. Stay humble. Don't lose your cool ever. You lose your cool, you lose all credibility as a leader. Only vent in private. Only weep in private. Only pour out your heart and frustrations in private to God. 
but in public you hold your head high. You walk in the confidence of the Lord. And you better believe you will please the Lord. And you know who else will be watching? The pastor. Other ministers. And bigger opportunities will come your way. That's how this thing works. And it all begins with graduating well. It all begins with pursuing license for the right reasons and in the right order with the right motives. And then, yes, when ministry comes, you better believe it. Leaders have to make tough decisions. But they are decisions that only a leader can make. And you will have the opportunity to prove yourself. People are watching you. That's right, guy. That's right, girl. And just continue to grow. Continue to have fun. Continue to enjoy it. And all of the great things that God has in store for you, they'll all come to pass. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I really do. All of you podheads. You're not a reverend!